off script entirely, but as CEO, isn't it easy for you to say, you get what I'm saying? People say yes, right? I mean, isn't it harder when you're the CEO to actually make sure people get what you're saying because they just want to and they want to please? Absolutely. And you have to watch and listen. And I call people out. I say, Carly, you have a quizzical look on your face. What are you thinking? Welcome to ProCo 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This podcast connects people who love Colorado with the stories and lessons of Colorado's world-class entrepreneurs and leaders. All my guests believe that Colorado is different, that success feels different here, and that's why the ProCo 360 tagline is Live, Work, Love Colorado. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Antoinette Gavin, CEO of Trumo BCT. And Trumo BCT has 7,000 associates and is one of very few billion-dollar Colorado companies. So yes, I'm interested in its mission-driven focus of unlocking the potential of blood and cell-based therapies. We'll talk about that, particularly developing innovation, and we'll discuss Antoinette's approach to leadership and change management. Antoinette, thanks for being here on this episode. Thanks, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here. And I think it's always good to start the conversation sort of grounded in what the company does. So how about your quick snapshot of Trumo BCT? Sure. Uh, Trumo BCT makes healthcare equipment. So equipment that collects and separates and processes your blood and your cells to be used in a range of treatments, everything from emergency room procedures, uh, childbirth to perhaps treating sickle cell disease. So a couple of examples. I mean, you've got some well-established products, and then you've got some that you're developing. So what's an example of each that help listeners understand and sort of appreciate the role that Trumo BCT has in, in their lives? Sure. So uh, an established product is if you have ever donated blood or received blood, that blood has most likely gone through a piece of our equipment to help separate it into the appropriate components for whatever treatment. So these are zillions of items every year that you're selling in and in disposables. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What's something that's evolving, emerging as a new technology for you? Um, A new technology would be in the cellular therapy space. So you may hear about CAR T cells and drugs uh, like Kimrera. We have the equipment that collects those cells from your body. Companies genetically modify them. And then we have other equipment that helps expand that modified cell into a therapeutic dose. So are you now part of this whole process? I had um, uh, a man named Kevin Ness, who's the CEO of Inscripta, and they've got this CRISPR technology. They're doing gene editing and so forth. Are you going to be part of that whole process? We are. um, We don't edit the genes per se, Mm -hmm. but we create the tools that allow people to edit the genes. I like to say we don't cure cancer, but we have all the tools for those who are trying to cure cancer. So scientists, any of the R&D companies and so forth are going to be using Turmo BCT technology to sort of get the raw material they use to to do gene editing and so forth. Yes. Cool. So mostly what I want to talk to you about is this the circumstance which you find yourself in, you've come into a company that's really well established. Um, you've taken over for a guy named David Perez, who's who retired after 20 years. So your bio says that you've returned the company to growth through relentless focus on improving our customers' experience and increasing the number of patients we serve. So what are one or two specific things you've done? And you've only been a, in the role of CEO for really less than a year. So what are a couple things you've done specifically to start making some changes? Sure. So 
Part of that focus is getting beyond the equipment that we make. Many people make equipment, but understanding how it impacts the end patient, the customer, and then the patient it will ultimately serve. So one specific example, uh, we worked with the American Red Cross as they were purchasing a high amount of our equipment to do uh, therapeutic plasma exchange. And we worked with them to map out how they implemented the equipment using value stream mapping and lean tools and cut out uh, half of the cycle time so that they could be up and running with patients that much faster. And this is out in the field. Yes, in the yeah. field. So is that does that become a differentiator for Termo BCT versus simply product sale? Absolutely. And around the world, when we talk about our core blood products, blood centers come to us and ask us to help them build the system for processing blood, including policy changes, uh, interfaces with service providers, how they interface with the hospital software. So we like to think of how do we influence that whole ecosystem. Yeah. Well, that's sort of the lens through which you, you're stepping into your role now, right? As beyond a product champion as opposed to, and now more of a product service holistic view of serving a customer? Yes, yeah. yes. So when you step into that role and you're taking over for a longstanding CEO, you know, how do you go about coming into to a role saying, yeah, we're going to do things a little differently? Yeah, it's David and I talk uh, pretty frequently and you always have to respect the history and the foundation. At the same time, you have to understand where do you bring in fresh eyes mm -hmm. and challenge what I call conventional wisdom. So there, uh, I once I heard George Lucas speak, who, you know, our Star Wars yeah. inventor, and he said, "You can't build something if you can't imagine it." So if people are operating in a certain way and they can't imagine what excellence really looks like, you have to show them. Funny that you say, uh, "Imagine it," uh, because Antoinette, one of the people you follow on LinkedIn is a woman named Beth Comstock, who wrote a book called "Imagine It Forward," and I want to play a clip from that book and get your take on it. I came to see that while incredibly hard, there was nothing shameful about endings or mistakes. It can be a wise decision to leave one path and choose another. Scary, yes, but it can be the first step to something better. And that itself was a massive insight for me. Something better was a deliberate choice. So what do you think about that comment? Something better is a deliberate choice. Yes, um, first, I have to acknowledge I worked for Beth. Really? And I just recently saw her in New York City. Um, she described her role often as chief agitator. Hmm. And reflecting on the time at GE when we were trying to change a massive company and get people thinking externally focused there's an element of personal courage because every time you think you're making a change, your reaction is no one's happy with this change, mm -hmm. right? You hear the grumbling and you, once in a while someone says, I'm really grateful that you're doing that. And I've always uh, thought uh, Beth influenced me a lot. And I think about my definition of success is to leave something better because I was there because I touched it. And if that's your aspiration, then you have to go and be a little fearful 
uh, and make the change, and you don't know how it will be accepted. So there's an element of courage of conviction, I think, that's really important. And Beth facilitated that across a large institution. Mm. Well, coming in, I mean, did you, you'd never been a CEO, and here you are coming into a billion-dollar company with 7,000 associates. You've had some pretty big roles. To what extent do you think you were like ready to come in as the agitator? Yeah, I had been a CEO of a small, a hundred million dollar business relative to well, relative to a billion. Uh, yeah. But I, so I had had some mm-hmm. previous experience yeah. with GE, and throughout GE, I was in a number of roles where I was the site leader. You know, I was I had responsibility for many people. Um, their jobs, their deliverables, and meeting those commitments. Uh, through my career, I had had leadership roles in so many different functions. I think it gives me a broader system perspective. Yeah. So it's one thing to agitate uh, without understanding what the consequences might be, but the more you know about other people's process, perspective, functional skills – the more likely you are to anticipate what might be the fallout and, yeah, yeah. and be thinking five and six steps ahead. Well, and there was some transition too. You were the, you were a CEO elect, which is an unusual term. Yes. But you were. How long did you do that at Terma BCT? Um, I was the CEO elect for six months. Yeah. And by the end of the six months, were you like ready? Like, did you feel like okay, enough already? I'm ready to just. <laughs> <laughs> um, David and I both laugh about that. He sent me his key. Uh, for the office, but there was no key in the envelope, oh. and I teased him that he just couldn't quite let go of the the yeah, you know yeah. the key to the office. But it it was an opportunity because walking by someone's side who has that much experience and that much depth in the marketplace gives you an opportunity to breathe deep when everyone's watching, um, but watch how a master handles things. Yeah. And it must be tempting in the role of CEO elect, obviously you're going to keep your mouth shut for, you know, during that period, but it must be tempting to be creating a mental or maybe even a a paper checklist of saying, okay, I'm going to change that when I get that key. Yeah. The beauty of working with David, frankly, there were many things that I felt we could improve on. I worked through those with David and we began the implementation of some of those. Um, One one simple example Uh, going back to customer focus, we had a challenge with our supply chain. And we put in a series of metrics to have visibility at the most senior levels. You don't usually have the CEO looking at back orders Mm -hmm. and on-time shipments. But we started that process and got people comfortable with the discussions. And that allowed us to get our back orders from 11 million to less than 300,000 in about six months. Wow, and you did that collaboratively with the current CEO. Yes. That's cool. Um, I want to remind listeners, this is ProCo 360, and I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This is a show featuring world-class leaders who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Antoinette Gavin, CEO of Terumo BCT, a billion-dollar Colorado company. And this is a great time to thank our sponsors, Community Banks of Colorado, Microstar Keg Logistics, Kinsley Meetings, and Total Coaching Systems. These great companies support Colorado business and entrepreneurs, and they support this show. Thanks also to the Colorado Chamber of Commerce for its support for me and ProCo360. So 
getting back to you know when the key was given to you, Antoinette, and you became the CEO, did did the lens through which you see things change quickly? Um, did the way people saw you at the office change instantly? What did that look like? There are always individuals who will change how they respond to you based on your level. And I, in some cases, I anticipated that, in others, I didn't. What David and I shared was a true passion for the end patient and that customer focus. I believe my where I expanded my perspective was understanding some of the other uh, roles in greater depth and understanding their challenges and why they may not have that customer wiring or mm-hmm. that patient wiring. Mm-hmm. When you think about the short period of time you've been there and applying sort of the your perspective on the business, what attitude has had to change internally to say, yeah, this is different now? The number one, I would say, is competition is on the outside, not the inside. So hmm. there was um, a lot of, I think, functional competition. Who le- We're very proud of our innovation. We're pr- proud in many aspects. Um, this local company that has grown into a billion-dollar enterprise and understanding that we are much stronger together. I use the phrase growth is a team sport. Mm. And if we're not all playing our positions and helping give each other feedback, but no, we're all trying our hardest to win the game, yeah. um, then we don't serve our customers as well. So is that a different um, a different approach that you're bringing as far as crossing uh, what would otherwise maybe be more siloed than you wish they were, things like that? Yeah, a few changes. We are now measuring the senior leaders on the same thing. Hmm. Uh, all of our incentive comp is tied to that. And in the first quarter, it was a little, okay, we'll we'll do this. I, I use, uh, I call it the say-do ratio. Uh, say what you're going to do and do what you say 100% of the time. So if you said you'd deliver five things, if you only delivered four, you're at 80%. And we took that concept and applied it literally, and it has driven an incredible amount of collaboration in teamwork. Because everybody's measured on the same say-dos? Yes. Wow. We picked the top six for the company and said, let's map those out in detail. These are the things most critical to our success hmm. this year and to build long-term capabilities. Wow. Well, you also bring in, and I'm looking back at your description um, on the company's website, and it talks about your background on in public policy, your perspective of, as a global citizen for nonprofit organizations, and your desire to promote equitable access to healthcare, education, and clean water. This whole um, category of interests around diversity is something that's near and dear to you, right? So how does that play into the company now? Yeah, absolutely. So first, when we talk about diversity, it's easy for anyone to put a label and I look at it as you cannot be competitive if you do not reflect the customers and the patients that you serve. Mm-hmm. So uh, the example I used to use was for years, we had you know men designing makeup and probably not the most insightful products coming yeah. out of but that. Men still design women's fashion. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, you don't see me in couture. You yeah. see me in comfortable <laughs> stuff. Good point. 
but uh, but so I th- I think the point of diversity is to make sure that everyone's voices are heard and they felt they are felt that they are heard and they're reflected in. And I truly believe, having worked in many countries, in many environments, and many traditional uh, industries, power systems, utilities, uh, if you if you don't feel comfortable making your voice heard, you cannot be stronger together. And we are much stronger when we build off of diverse thinking and embrace it. So moving in that direction and in adding that as sort of a core value at Termo BCT through what you bring, how have behaviors changed at the company based on this interest and, and belief of yours? I think we are all evolving. I think the idea that when I challenge an idea or bring in a new idea, it doesn't mean yours is bad. It means I I can build from it. And I think we're all trying to improve that muscle that says, I don't just debate and shut you down, but I embrace what you said, the the improv model Mm -hmm, of yes mm -hmm. and. I ascribe to that. So Uh, do you think um, having a value of the importance of diversity is a cultural value that then sort of infuses an attitude of inclusive ideas of different new approaches and things like that? I mean, is there a cultural value to that? Absolutely. Even think of um, if you come into an organization and you're the new person, you're kind of reluctant to speak up. Or you're in a room and everyone is older and you're a millennial who comes in. The first reaction, and we all do it, right? What does that kid know? How can he tell me how to design something? But there's a different training, there's a different perspective, and if we don't integrate that, we will always be catching up. Have you had to, as CEO, say, we are going to integrate that? I mean, have you had to kind of put a little oomph behind your your views on that? Um, I do, and I find it interesting, particularly as a female in uh, this role. There aren't too many, so yeah. I'm often asked about that. And I encourage people to think about uh, if you are a majority figure, right? You're a white male. What are you doing to help bring those other voices forward so that diversity isn't seen as a woman thing or a Latino thing or whatever label that you want to put in it? And I find that when you get the conversation going, I use that phrase often, if you can have a conversation when... Things are going well mm-hmm. and tackle a tough topic. Yeah. It makes it that much easier when things are going poorly and you really need to pull on each other. Yeah. Does does being CEO help you get your point across more? It helps me get my voice heard. Yeah. It gives me a platform that mm-hmm. I might otherwise not have. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's just the reality, isn't it? I also think people, when you are CEO or you have a title such as that, they're trying harder to understand what you mean. So, Mm -hmm. because they know you're going to turn that into policy and practice. Mm. And they know I do what I say. So when I say, we're going to go do something, they're like, what's coming next? That conversation is really powerful because that understanding and unpacking it, it means something different for everyone. That's it. I've never heard it put that way. And it's really pretty intriguing to me. The idea that if you're CEO, people try harder to understand what you're, what you're saying or what you mean, does that, does that make it easier for you not to communicate carefully? 
I mean, don't you still have to focus as much on communicating as you did before? I communicate probably more. My observation is that it helps me understand where people are stuck. And I'm someone, I want people to understand, and I want to understand their point of view. I believe in 360 communication, right? Every angle. And people have to be clear on the intent, even if there's no leadership in the room, right? Yeah. Instead of, my boss told me to do yeah. X, they need to understand those values and norms. But does it get hard? Yeah. If you're, if you, this is what I'm, this is not, this, I'm off script entirely, but as CEO, isn't it easy for, you can say, do you get what I'm saying? People say yes, right? I mean, isn't it harder when you're the CEO to actually make sure people get what you're saying because they just want to and they want to please? Absolutely. And you have to watch and listen. And I call people out. I say, Carly, you have a quizzical look on your face. Mm. What are you thinking? Mm -hmm. And I try to do it in a way that helps people feel comfortable because it is intimidating. Um, I recently had, I have lunch with uh, anyone who's recently gotten a degree. We have some great benefits at our company. I am recruiting here as well. <laughs> if you're interested, we pay for college. Wow. Um, so I had a luncheon with those who uh, people had gotten associate's degree, bachelor's, and master's degrees. And I did not know any of them personally, but I asked them each to not just introduce themselves, but talk about something they were proud of beyond just finishing the degree. And that gets a conversation yeah. going. So it's more likely they'll talk to each other, all from different walks of life, different departments, mm. And you see connections happening. Um, One gentleman, it turned out, came from a refugee camp in Nigeria and was interested in getting to Kenya. And we just opened an office in Kenya. And he may end up playing a valuable role in that Kenya office that that we would have never known about. That's really cool. I want to remind listeners again, this is ProCo360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. And this is the show featuring entrepreneurs and leaders who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Antoinette Gavin, CEO of Truma BCT. Go to ProCo360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. And don't forget, please rate ProCo360 in your app when you finish this episode. All right, I want to shift gears just a little bit because we've got uh, some time left. And I want to talk about sort of the role, more about the role of leadership in change. Um, and, And I've been to your website and most websites talk about you know, our strength is our people. And to me, that's just blah, 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 blah. Everybody says that. The thing that I also noticed about the Termo BCT website is that you're very, very focused on the mission as a driver in every single job. Talk about that. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons I'm at Terumo BCT is because of that mission focus. Every healthcare company would say we're focused on the patient but does it govern your decisions? Hmm. And when I say govern, I use that phrase, a governing philosophy. If I decide to do this project or fund this program, will it get us to more patients? Hmm. Right? We have um, solutions. So therapeutic plasma exchange, as an example, that treats sickle cell disease, but it is relatively unknown. So 40% of sickle cell patients go untreated, and it is a debilitating disease for which there is a treatment option. So how do we shift our resources and money to drive the awareness, the patient advocacy, 
reimbursement from the insurance system. Mm. And that is challenging. So if I fund that, I yeah. have to figure out where I get the money from. Well, because there's a great deal of cynicism, I think, about the healthcare system and and about healthcare companies that say they're about the patient when we know that they're trying to make quarterly earnings. So how do you manage around that? Yeah, I talk about the virtuous cycle. And by that, if you really are focused on patients and using that sickle cell example, if I can get coverage to the 60% of sickle cell patients who go untreated, I will grow and I will make Mm -hmm. money and I will be able to fund more things. But I have to start with the end purpose. If I start with the making money, I will cut corners, I will cut services, I will do things in order to make those quarterly earnings. Um, And we have not always consistently hit our top line, but uh, getting that focus aligns people and I think it inspires people in a different way. Yeah, I think, you know, if we really want to attract top talent, talking about quarterly earnings is probably not the way to do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the other piece, I when you think of um, diversity, going back to your other point, I did my master's work on disparities in healthcare mm-hmm. outcomes. And if you think about the inequities of access and treatment in the U.S., right? Same socioeconomic system. If my husband and I go to the ER with heart pains, I'm four times as likely to die because of all these social determinants of health. And it's a really complex Hmm. uh, study, frankly, in what we do. So I look at marrying that diversity with thinking about the whole healthcare system. If I have great technology, but I'm only getting to 40% of the patients, then it's a waste. I I need to address access and all those other pieces. So are you going to be able to drive that macro level thinking then now as CEO of Truma BCT? Um, We are, you know, we've begun the journey and a recent example that I'm excited about. We know in Africa, 600,000 women a year die in childbirth because they can't get blood, right? Mm. They can't get safe blood. And we co-sponsored with the organization of African first ladies, a program on the sidelines of the United Nations General Assembly to bring awareness uh, to help get funding from the United Nations and other interested groups. Um, 40% of Africans, actually I think it's higher, uh, suffer from sickle cell disease. All things that are treatable. What would you say to someone who says, you're doing that for PR, you're doing that for whatever reasons, ulterior motives? You know, you... Everything has a PR element. Um, I will say that it took us two and a half years of orchestrating this work, of reaching out to first ladies, of reaching out across countries, funding clinical trials, uh, bringing together the key opinion leaders, the physicians. And when they when they ask us, uh, when I ask them what they can, we can do for them, they want this platform, right? So we will benefit long term. But I think that commitment to make that long-term investment and to be the catalyst to bring all those yeah. parties together is an important investment. And, and we could choose many places yeah. to spend that and, energy. And it takes, I think that long time horizon, that dedicated continue push demonstrates a different mindset, at least 
to me from what I'm hearing. And so I want to shift gears a couple more times here before we wrap up. Um, we talked about, on, I, I saw on your LinkedIn profile that you follow many people, including uh, Beth Comstock, who we've already talked about, but you also follow Bill Gates, Tony Robbins. So why do you follow Tony Robbins? So I initially started following Tony Robbins because I have a friend I admire very much. Um, she, We met at GE many years ago. She's a realtor in Boston and consistently number one you know, realtor in a tough market. And she was so passionate about how Tony changed her life. Wow. Uh, that I felt I need to follow this person and figure out what he's all about. So I'm a curious person. And if you have something that's interesting, I will probably start following it just mm. in part so I understand you a little more. So have you followed Tony Robbins much? I mean, he's, the, you know, he's a motivational guru guy. I mean, have you listened or heard or seen him I do lis- much? I listened to one yeah. of his things. I, I kind of get his program. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. So I kind of follow on the periphery. So, you know, he's one who really talks about building on one's strengths and so forth. When you think about your personal strengths, you know, which of yours, we all have them. So don't be too humble here. We all have strengths that are better than others and that are sort of core to us. What do you, when you think about your core strengths, what do you think you rely on the most? I would say I've, I have many discussions about this with my team because I talk about finding people's superpowers mm-hmm. and I use the X-Men analogy. Huh. If you use your superpower and you don't train it and you go off on your own, you just blow stuff up. But if you train it, um, you tend to do better things and even better if you figure out other people's superpowers mm-hmm. and how to work together, then you always kick the bad guy's butt, right? Huh. That's the th- that's the spoiler alert, yeah, 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 every, yeah. every uh, superhero movie coming out. Yeah. <laughs> so I think one of my uh, strengths is connecting people in what they really thrive at and what they want to do with the opportunities and the business problems to do that. So as an example, people often say, you know, I want this role or I want to become a director mm. or I want, I want the next thing. And getting them to really understand why and of the roles they've had, what really excited them and why, and finding something that helps fit their aspirations, gives them development, but helps solve a business mm. problem so they can apply it in a meaningful way. That's cool. And I spend a lot, I spend the bulk of my time, frankly, matching people to problems. Wow. Well, keeping keeping sort of along the theme of the Proco 360 podcast, which is world-class entrepreneurs who choose Colorado, what have you found about Colorado as the home for Trumo BCT? Um, well, first, there's a there's a heart that we have that I would like to say is part of Trumo BCT. I believe it's part of Colorado. I'm a Midwesterner by uh, upbringing and spent many years living in Chicago and Michigan. And I think the openness and the open-mindedness of Colorado makes it uh, welcoming uh, someone shared with me that they believe people are more open to change in Colorado because people have chosen to be yeah. here. So they've many people, they've uprooted themselves mm-hmm. and they made a conscious choice yeah. that I want to be part of that environment. Mm-hmm. So I think that uh, transfers. That's interesting because earlier in the interview, we talked about change as a constant, is a conscious choice, right? So do you think... That's an interesting observation. People who've moved here already have sort of something in their DNA that says, I'm okay making changes. Yes. That's cool. 
So speaking about making changes, you became CEO uh, at Truma BCT. What what makes you most happy that you've done this? Um, I I guess what makes me most happy is it's an opportunity to really shape things. So when we talk about serving more patients, I believe it passionately. Uh, I went back to grad school, as they say, later in life because I wanted to understand how to change the healthcare system in a very structured way. And I I think this gives me a platform to do that, but to put that in action and show people practical examples of how you can be a great company and you can also be a great corporate citizen. It's interesting to me because it seems like in the role of, that Tarumo BCT plays in the world and in the healthcare system, maybe you can make changes um, that are meaningful within a system that's dysfunctional. Is that accurate, do you think? Yes, yes. And, you know, in some of my perspective is I grew up in very humble circumstances in a rural area in northern Michigan, town of 400 people. And I saw... Um, I saw inequity every day, right? I I lived it. And I always, as I lived around the world, I worked for General Electric for many years and experienced different healthcare systems, different education systems. What struck me is that someone has solved these problems. And you have to have humility to be able to say, I can take that solution. I, I use the phrase swipe with my team, steal with integrity, pride, and enthusiasm. But these are big problems, but other people have solved them. Yeah. So what can we bring in? And I look at my team. I have talented people from Medtronics, from, from all over. And our goal is to steal the best, take the best ideas, forget the rest. How do you make that part of your practice? And if you're always thinking that way, um, in your personal life, in your professional life, it just, things go faster and easier. Yeah. So last question, what, if you had to pick one sort of value, in quotes, you know, value of that you tie from your personal uh, self to the company and the way you operate, what what is that? That's a tough one. I think I would have to say um, respect, and perhaps it goes back, back to that diversity, but respecting all inputs, respecting all ideas, um, respecting someone independent of their level, their title. Good ideas don't just come because someone's at the top of the heap, right? So I think that respect is a foundation for me. Yeah, personally and professionally. I think it's a good note to wrap up on and, and I'll do that. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. And today on Proco 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Antoinette Gavin, CEO of Turumo BCT. Antoinette, thanks. Thanks for sharing Thank what's you. on your mind. It's a pleasure, Dave. And can I reiterate, I'm always recruiting. Oh, yes. You, well, you just <laughs> did. So, uh, and, and based on this interview, I would think that um, anyone who's looking for a job that would be suitable for Truma BCT would find it a great home. So uh, listeners, thanks for joining me on Proco 360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast and submitting a review. Thanks again to show sponsors, MicroStar Keg Logistics, Community Banks of Colorado, Kinsley Meetings, Total Coaching Systems, and the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. And a final thanks 
to Mike here, my engineer at Third and James Studios. That's the show, Live, Work, Love, Colorado. Thank you.